0: Time to get your own business and become an entrepreneur. We're gonna go through the steps that many others have went through, and also some tips, so you can uh, also stay solvent and be the best that you can be right now. But I'll, I'll start off with something a little bit more easier for us before we bring up our first guest. Have you wondered? why there's an outpouring of respect for all of the black-owned establishments at this time. We have a social justice issue that is going on right now. Right now is the time that we need to band together, bring our dollar together, and what better way to do that other than following your passion. I have two gentlemen that are here tonight that will speak on their collective passions that they have went and they have pursued, and they have mastered. All of these guys are master businessmen. I'm extremely happy tonight because this is our first episode. And let me tell you a little bit about myself. So the first episode here, my name is Ken Mills, as I've just stated to you. I'm a comedian here in Houston, Texas, and also a burgeoning entrepreneur. I've uh, been an entrepreneur since I was 18 years old. I got my first DBA doing technology, but then I lost my way. I lost my passion, but comedy brought my passion back to me. And when I got out there into the scene, I was like, hey, I'm a little bit older. I know most of you that may be watching this may be in your mid thirties. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm headed toward 40. So time is getting shorter for me. So instead of me leaving my destiny in someone else's hands, why not take that and put it in my own hands and empower myself. And that's what I do. Uh World of Comedy 5 Entertainment, we do comedy shows on a monthly basis. Also, in in in, in conjunction with Boss Up Network, we have this show here. And what you will see over time throughout each episode It's going to be a learning curve for everyone. We're going to learn different facets of life, whether it's nutrition, wellness, finance, relationships, marriages, even your children. We'll talk about different things that we can do to better ourselves right now. So, guys, what I need you to do, if you haven't done already, subscribe to Boss Up Houston Network. It's easy to do. You can do it on any streaming platform. It could be on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Follow us. Now, this is the funniest part. This is the funniest part. Me being a talk show person, (laughs) it's going to be hilarious because I normally do sets all the time. But, guys, when we come back from this break, we're going to bring our first guest. And get your ears ready. Open your mind. You're going to learn something today.
1: Devin, did you know Geico is now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? Okay That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you So what are you waiting for? DJ Khaled to be your motivational coach?
0: Yo,
2: Devin, remember to brush in a circle motion Thank you, DJ Khaled Tiny circles, Devin Do another one Another one
3: Is this good? Put in that word, Devin Don't give up
1: Geico save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th
0: don't play yourself hit subscribe to play more great Geico videos and don't forget to share hey everybody how y'all doing welcome back welcome back to worldviews with Ken Mills now my first guest I'm very proud to bring him in I'm very proud to introduce him he's one of my business mentors Very strong, very intellectual person, and very tenured in entrepreneurship. Please put your hands together for Mr. Strode Churchwell. How you doing? doing? Welcome. We don't need
1: to escalate. All right, Mr. Mr. Churchwell, how you doing today?
3: I cannot complain based upon everything that's going on right now
0: okay okay now tell the people a little bit about yourself well my
3: name is Joe Churchwell
0: Uh, I am a
3: uh, entrepreneur a retired businessman of 30 years Uh, I have been involved in many facets of business from oil and gas to everything and uh at this point in my life, I started a business to push the uh, uh, the idea of minority entrepreneurship. So that's kind of what
0: I'm involved in right now.
3: That's what I've been doing for the last uh, I would say 15 years.
0: Okay, okay. So, w- what is the actual uh, name of that business, and what industry is it in?
3: So the name of the business is the Library of Coffee and Wine House. Okay. Uh, it is a uh, it's a coffee shop by name. However, it's a community spot. It's in the neighborhood that I grew up in. I grew up in Third Ward. I'm a Third Ward born and raised brother. Okay. Uh, you know, attended Yates High School, went to Prairie View A and M University, uh, and so after I retired, I came back to the community that helped raise me to try to be an example of people like myself who are willing to come back and contribute to the community that helped get me to the point where I was, where I could actually come back and start a
0: business. Okay. Now, I commend you on that, because most times when uh, folks look to open businesses, they shy away from the inner city, but you took it head on. So kudos for that. Uh, So could you tell me how you got started in entrepreneurship?
3: So, Ken, I started off as a, uh, you yeah, know, I was a theater major in college, and uh, I wanted to do independent films before independent films were what they are now. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought of was I need to make money and able to do what it is I want to do. Where I can do that, we not working a day, you know, job day in and day out, is to start a business where I can take those funds and do whatever it is I wanted to do. Well, little beknownst to me, I had no idea that business was my natural ability. I thought acting and comedy was it, but business came to me so naturally that the first time that I made a positive dollar, I thought it can't be this easy, right? <laughs> and so from listening to other people who had been in business, older folks or whatever, uh, they said no. It, it generally doesn't happen that way, and so, I, th- as I thought about things, like, well, what if I invested in this? What if I did this? And I'm not saying that I always made money, I, n- I never took a loss, but it just seemed like breathing to me, and so uh, I kind of got stuck in that, so to speak.
0: So, let let's rewind back. You said that you were in comedy.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I started doing stand up. I know that's your deal. Come on. I know that's your deal. on. But I started doing stand up when I was 16. And back then, so I'm a little older than you. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm a little older than you. Uh, I started doing stand up. Back then, they only had one comedy place in Houston. It, it,
0: what was the name of that place?
3: Uh, the Comedy Workshop on San Felipe.
0: Teach us. Yeah. Now now, who were, were some of the uh, peers that you worked with at that time?
3: So how, because I was underage, how I got a chance to actually even go and perform, because you at least had to be 18. There was a guy that I worked with at the Coomba House, which is where I used to do summer plays as a young actor, there was a guy named uh, 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 Sente, I believe was his name. Hmm. Uh, he heard me like trying out some stuff amongst my peers. And so he said, you think you're funny? I said, yeah, I know I'm funny. He said, you know, what do you want to do? I told him, hey, my goal is to be a comedian. You know, I'm, I'm gonna make mad money and do all kinds of stuff, or whatever, travel the world. And he said, uh, well, have you ever been on stage? Well, I've been on stage at school amongst my peers. So he said, he asked me was I willing to go to the comedy workshop, I tell him I was. I went. He got me in. You know, lied about my age. He got me in. The first routine that I did, I bombed. It was it was horrible. <laughs> and I should have gave up then. Really? Uh, but you know, me being who I am, stubborn. Uh, you know, I there was a learning lesson, and I learned that you know the funny stuff to a sixteen year old is not going to be funny to a grown person. Right. So. uh, you know, I pursued that for probably about 12, 14 years. Okay. But I also did other things.
0: Okay. Now, getting back to the business aspect. So, when you found that passion for being an entrepreneur, what was some of the first uh, ventures that you had?
3: So, uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, not far from this location, uh, I opened an upscale uh, men's hair salon basically a barbershop right and so what I looked at was you know you remember the movie uh, coming to America mm-hmm. and so the, you know the, most barbershops in Houston back then they had that same basic formula it was old you had the old water heater you had the old jet magazines that you know you, you didn't have to flip the page to the you know to the to the page that you showed the beauty of the week uh and you know people would sit there for hours with nothing to do no music or whatever and so i had an idea to take that and run with it to offer a little bit more for the progressive guy and uh i did that in 1990 that was my first business
0: so when you say progressive do you mean metrosexual?
3: uh i don't i don't know what that word means king (laughs) uh you know uh when I hear metro and sexual, I don't know if that's a bus with sexual tendencies. I don't, I don't, you have to explain that to me. Is that a bus with some sexual, you know, stuff going on?
0: No, nah. <laughs> I'll explain when we get back. Now, now look. So, I'll show you what that means. Yes, so, please do. <laughs> I've heard the word. So, it's the well pampered man. Now, well,
3: so groom man, right, right. right. Now, we used to call them pimps back in my day.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Right, see, right, right, right. They, had, they had, rings. Right, you right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
3: You know, see, I grew up under them. Nails done, nice shoes, right. shine. Right. right. The 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 pimp socks. Yeah. There was a brand of socks, pimp socks. All of that. Okay, say that. you say, say metrosexual. You know, that's too close to another sexual that I don't really like to venture into. Right. <laughs> Not that I have anything right. you know, against that. But yeah, all right. I understand that.
0: Right. So, the upscale uh, barbershop or salon. Tell me, what what were some of the obstacles that you ran into, as far as getting that off the ground and also turning a profit with? You?
3: Money was the was the first thing because I was I was broke. Hmm. Okay. So uh, that that first venture, I had two partners, who had uh, they didn't necessarily have the vision that I had. And so uh, I had, you know, I wasn't a barber. I didn't have a barber's license. Uh, So trying to convince someone to go against what was traditionally known and uh, done—that was a huge challenge. After that, uh, you know, marketing that to to people—and that wasn't very difficult because in 1990, all guys, white, black, Hispanic, everybody thought they was fly. Hmm. So, you know, I just look for guys who were kind of meticulous about their appearance and how they, you know, wore their clothes and how they wore their hair. And those are the people that we uh, we marketed to and targeted.
0: Okay, okay. So, I take it from there, when you saw the light, when you saw some success there, it invigorated you to do something else, right?
3: Absolutely. Okay. So, one of the things that I've, I've always done, and people, you know, have... Uh, they said, "Well, Joe, you've all, you're always looking ahead." So I didn't take those monies that I made from that business and celebrate. I took those monies. I mean, can you have to keep in mind doing that? Doing those days when I when I first opened that business, I didn't even own a car, which my friends thought was absolutely you know, look crazy, ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you have a business and you have a car? I was riding a bicycle with a you know a shirt and tie and slacks on. Before it was cool like it is now, right? I was doing it out of necessity. Um, And so I took those monies and I put them into real estate, right? So when flipping houses was the thing before, uh, you know, the shows and everything else, I I was doing that. Always trying to grow whatever revenue that I, I made to, you know, propel it into something else but keep in mind my ultimate vision was to have enough money to do my my uh, independent film hmm. I, I still haven't got to that yet
0: <laughs> now I asked this one last question and I want you to ponder on it who was your favorite independent filmmaker just hold on to that guys we'll be back after a small break stay tuned Here. We're back with World Views with Ken Mills. Stroll Church World here. Now we're going to continue this conversation. Now you were talking about independent films. So which independent filmmakers did you try to pattern yourself after mm-hmm. you had high respect for?
3: So, you know, again coming from an acting background because that was my major in college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people would automatically think that that was a, a Spike Lee or a strong Spike Lee influence. I was more about documentaries. And so, you know, you can go back as far as Jack Starr, as far as, you know, the guy who used to make all the, the, the documentaries about, you know, the, the Great Sea and everything else. Uh, I thought it was fascinating uh, from a visual standpoint, not necessarily from an informational standpoint, but from a visual standpoint. And so I thought, you know, change the subject matter where you are, you know, you taking a subject matter that, you know, I always wanted to inform people of something, uh, primarily from a political standpoint, more so, but not make it heavy. Uh, Take those visuals and then put it in a, a format where you could create something where people could learn Enjoy, have fun, but not be so burdened with the idea and the thought of, damn, <laughs> this is a political deal. Right. right. Uh, I took I I I I took great uh, uh, knowledge from from that early deal.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, I tell you this: I'm a history buff, so I love documentaries, and one of my favorite. Uh, Documentarians is Michael Moore.
3: Uh, first family did was Flint, Michigan. Right. right? Absolutely about you know GM closing and everything else. Right. He did that on a very basic. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that.
0: Right. But mine was the Fahrenheit 9/11, um, and then also I've been into now. I, I like the super size me. I know he doesn't do, do those, but. It's just more about the wellness, the wellness perspective. Uh, I like to learn things. I like to be engaged and learn different things because an elder person told me this. If you stop learning, you stop living. So every day should be a lesson. So I want to get back to this business lesson because, I mean, you're giving us definite knowledge here. So with the real estate, did you go commercial or did you go residential?
3: So here, here's what I learned from uh, my mentor at 24. I started my first business when I was 24. I don't know if I mentioned that.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, so my mentor challenged me to be diverse in the things that I was willing to not just invest in from a financial standpoint, but from a time and passion. And so his, 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 his idea was, was that the more diverse you were, you'll never starve. That made sense to me. And he had to put it in those terms. And so uh, when I looked at, when I got involved in real estate, I initially got involved in selling it, buying it and selling it to make a profit, to build you know, my, 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 my profits. Uh, where I am now as far as real estate, uh, I buy. And so I'm, I buy both commercial and residential. And so, as an entrepreneur who, you know, a person who has worked for different agencies as far as, the, you know, kids, you know, working with underprivileged kids, I haven't worked a job where it's been a job where I felt like that's gonna be a job where I need to retire from, and I'm trying to climb the ladder. Uh, I've Jobs that I've worked, it's been out of jobs of passion. So the moves that I've made from a financial standpoint have been moves that I've needed to make because of you know family obligations and, and things that I want to to you know, positions that I want to be in, and so now I'm in the mindset from a real estate standpoint, residential and commercial, and that that business is a business; it's its own entity.
0: Okay. So, what is what are one of your biggest gripes on the residential side?
3: So, I, I, I right now, I, I don't buy anything in Texas hmm. because everything is, because we don't have some of the, you know, uh, some of the problems in, you know, typical places like New York, California, uh, Colorado, where, you know, you take an area and that area is already, you know, inflated as far as cost. And so you're paying two to three times the amount that it would cost for the same size house, you know, uh, in the same comparable area. Uh, I look for places outside of Texas where I'm looking for, you know, a good deal, good bang for my buck and, you know, what the taxes are gonna look like or whatever. Right now, just and we just use Houston as the example, and we use Third Ward, which the area which I grew up in. If I bought a little small house of fifteen to seventeen hundred square feet, that house is going to cost me anywhere from two sixty to three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, just because of the area. Whereas, if I went somewhere else, and let's just say we use Jackson, Mississippi, as example. I could take that same three hundred twenty thousand dollars and probably purchase about seven homes, including rehab, that I could put on the market to either sell, keep for rent, or whatever.
0: Wow! Wow! So, if you could tell us, how do you tap into those uh, nationwide markets in order to to get that type of property?
3: So, here's what I tell people, because I, you know. Can I see a lot of young people all the time and they're on the phones? And from time to time, especially people that I know, I'll ask, you know, what are you looking up? Oh, you know, and they tell me random things so and so is doing this, or you know, this is somebody ate here, or whatever. Now, to me, that's a waste of time. Not that you know, I'm, I'm I have a problem with people just doing because I play dominoes in my spare time, okay? Okay, however. If you're spending that much time looking at your phone, you know, for none business, then it should be something that is actually going to educate you and benefit you. And so what I do, what I've been able to use, because when I first started business, I had to go to the downtown library. You know, we didn't have internet. Hmm. You actually had to read. You couldn't, like, sit back and, you know, and, you know I hear people, you know, saying, this is slow or this internet is slow or okay what's slower is going to an actual building and having to open up a book and then research you know and so uh, my thing is utilizing the time that you have to best fit what it is that you want to achieve and if real estate or business of any sort is what you're interested in use that time to learn about that and learn about people that you can actually get in contact with that can help you along the way.
0: Mm. So would a suggestion be that you reach out to a mortgage broker in that area perspectively?
3: So one of the things I've learned like if you find someone who is a um, and, and here lies the, 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 the true challenge in business, this is what I learned when I first started off. I was interested in different, you know, uh, a specific type of business. I just learned about business in general. And one of the things that happened was people weren't necessarily willing to share that information. So something that you may be specifically interested in doesn't necessarily mean that it will compute to someone willing, their willingness to share information about what it is that you're interested in. That's always a challenge, and unfortunately, in 2020, that's still a challenge.
0: Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, coming in now, I have my next guest. Now, my next guest here is a recording artist. I believe in my heart, this man is a platinum recording artist. This man is known everywhere. An entrepreneur of the top bill and also a great friend of mine. Bringing in now, Three Bubbles. How you doing man how you doing three I'm Doing well all I'm right doing well now look I'm calling you three but let me call you by your government name. okay brother Cleon Solomon the third, the third. <laughs> all right so Cleon now we go way back I'm talking about way way back now just a little insight for everybody that's at home watching this me and this guy used to battle on the black blacktop when we were in high school <laughs> I used to be a rapper in my day. They used to tell me I looked like E-40. Do you see the resemblance? Well, whatever. <laughs> so, I tried to pursue it. Yeah, heavy detail. Uh I tried to pursue it, but it didn't work out for me. But this gentleman here worked out for him. So, can you tell us a little bit about your movement right now?
2: Okay, so, um, I have um, built a media production uh, building, but it's also like... Um, it's a recording studio on the front. And towards the back, we call it the space is called we call it the White Room. Um, part of the reason why I decided to do that, one of my uh, close friends, basically like a brother to me, Robert Hodge, I don't know if you guys know him, probably do if you are familiar with visual artists, especially in Houston, probably like one of the top guys. He the one, he's the one that gave me the idea to make that space all white. So it's basically like um, a blank canvas. So just last night we had a a listening, mixtape listening party for a recording artist named SteeLo Scheme, that went well. But then I've also had events back there where it'd be like a baby shower. Um, So, but that's just, that's the business part. I'm also a recording artist and I'm a part of a band called Kings and Hooligans uh, with a producer, Oscar White III, and he's got multiple platinum albums. So he I think the last, the one that we have hanging in the studio is the work he did with Iggy Azalea. Oh, okay. So
1: okay. yeah,
2: so there's that and then so it's another aspect, like I said, with Robert Hodges, the actual visual art, which you are you know well. When you we come to the studio, you see like the paintings and the sculptures that's there. And so a lot of that work has been in the cam, um, and just different galleries around Houston. So
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, what's interesting to me I understand your beginnings because i was mm-hmm. there now can you give me a little bit on the middle like how did you number one get this media group together and also what struggles did you uh did you yeah. encounter while doing this
2: well okay so let's the middle all right so at one point i had my like a home studio i ran out of my house okay. and i had a lot of people wrote devin the dude was one of my main clients okay. but, but In that middle part, I was so limited because, like, my wife and my kid live here. So it's just some people that just can't come to your house. You feel me? And so during that part, that, like, I I, I got a cap on how much money I can make because I got to turn down a lot of people. And that was one of the main reasons why I had to get, I had to go ahead and leap and do it. And it's scary because... For me personally, let me tell you what my fear was that was almost gonna stop me. I said to myself, "What if I build this building and, and make it look all fancy, and then nobody comes?" Cause like now I'm, I got a charge, you know. And that was a fear that actually like came into fruition it, when I first built it. After remember we had the grand opening, and uh, thank you for blessing me. I was sitting in the studio a lot by myself, paying a light bill in that bill for the blessing is i'm an artist so it gave me a chance to really connect with my production and and creativity but like i gotta pay these bills and i was like how long is this gonna last and then now like if you look at my calendar it's just black every almost every day like i had a session earlier today and then when i leave here i'm going back to work i know so yeah hey
0: so I, I wanna shoot something to stroke coming back to our last conversation. Now this is funny. Now I went to the brothers complex. I'm not gonna call it a building. It's a complex, Thank right? You a, a, a compound. He trying to downplay it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know he but he gonna play the the role right. yeah. the whole time. You got a whole
3: building inside. Right.
0: Right. Now <laughs> please. All right. So me and my wife, we go out there and i was connecting with him about this and also about my merchandising which you can find at world of uh comedy five on ig i
2: wore my shirt last night to the, <laughs> my other one my red one
0: right so he tells us he said yeah i'm gonna be out there by seven seven ten roll around <laughs> now i see i see something whip by me then all of a sudden he walk out and it was a gentleman next right next to me and i say he looks familiar right now, this is one of the dudes that you needed back in the 90s when you had that barbershop, right? This dude had the barber come to the studio. And it was one of our good friends, Brother Clyde. City
2: gas Clyde. That's, that's that's my family, man. Shout out to Clyde for coming through on site.
0: Right. So, with that, it seems as though at this point, you've gotten over the hurdle. Um, you you pretty much established yourself at the compound. What are some of the what are some of your pet peeves that you encounter on a daily basis? Being that you're very busy, and oh, in demand.
2: Okay, that's a good question, and and like I like what you offered me earlier about getting, sitting down with this man and having that drink, and a stogie is going to be important because for me, um, to have like a hopefully I can have a mentor like you because I'm at the point now that I need to figure out staff. Hmm. It's getting hard because like, to get there, do the cleaning. You know t- taking out the trash is gonna just something as simple as that it's like i don't know how to do that but i'm and and i'm getting close i'm not completely there but that's that's a hurdle that i'm trying to figure out because like i deal with a lot of engineers that don't need me on site i'm talking about the pro engineers right they have their clients that like book the building so even just somebody to just go manage and open up, make sure they have water and beverages and stuff like that. And you could just sit in the lobby, like that's where my brain is moving right now. Is getting to the point to where like now it's time to really build like um like a team, you know what I mean? And pay them though, right? <laughs> like I'm not talking about a team like your friends and we're gonna get it. I'm talking about right. like a staff of employees. So that's something that I'm thinking about. Outside of that, man, one of the things, like I said, I was worried about was just building the clients. And what I learned is, all right, so I'm thinking I'm going to run all these Facebook ads and stuff and just try to generate. I even did a commercial. Tristan Pitts, thank you, brother, did a commercial for me. But, okay, so my wife, she's a hairstylist. She has a salon. And what she told me, she said, your clientele is going to build better when people tell people. So all of my clients right now, like 90%, is just somebody told me about this spot. So, one one of my clients that, that comes from Waco, I said, how did you find me? She was like, Instagram. I said, I don't have no ads running on Instagram. I don't have, n- I don't even, I'm like, okay. So, I'm feeling good about that, but like I said, I'm getting to that point to where I I
3: need a manager. I need a receptionist. Can I can I speak to this? So, my, my major business, which was in oil and gas, you know, still going. 24 years, we spent $10,000 in advertising. Speaking to, and so I hear every day what people tell me, Strode, you have to get acclimated to, you know, uh, the, uh, the social media world or whatever. Here's here's what, and, and I tell people this all the time from a business perspective. Where do you want to be? If you want to make tens of thousands of dollars, that's okay. Nothing's wrong with that. If you wanna make hundreds of thousands of dollars, nothing's wrong with that. But if you want to make tens of millions to the hundreds of millions, let me explain one thing to you. It comes down to relationships. Mm. And what people that are in position, what I will not do, and I still don't do at my age and I'm old, I'm an old cat, <laughs> I tell people, don't call me on the phone, don't text me. If you wanna talk what I tell you kids, so if you wanna talk business to me, where do you need to come?
0: So let me tell you guys <laughs> the story at home. Now, as you can tell, these are brothers that I'm very close with. But they're very prosperous, and they're great, right? So when I first met Strode, I performed at his venue. I wowed him. But we had a conversation afterward. And most times, I believe he runs into people that may sell him a story, but not really have a substance behind it. We talked on a Friday. I showed back up on a Wednesday with a full business plan. And also with everything lined up. That started our relationship. So what these guys are saying is basically if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, be about it. Don't sell a lot. Do what you need to do to get ahead.
3: And nothing beats a personal relationship. relationship. Thank mm-hmm. you. Nothing. I don't so you send me something on, on social media, you talk to me on social media. First of all, not understanding, as you know, as well as I do. In the course of the day, how much time do you have to do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, really, just stop, truly.
2: Just talk, stop what you're doing or whatever Just
3: Yes, to do this, to answer hard. to, from a business perspective. So you have something that's already set up. to, But if you don't have anyone who's actually doing this, and right. I have a couple of people. Who hit me up, Stro, You need to respond to this. That's if I'm job doing 15 job. other things, that's low on my priority list. Mm-hmm. Because when you can, when when you have access to me, when you can actually come and talk to me, person to person, that is how you actually get my attention. When I tell you, Killer tell you this, you know this. When I tell you something from my mouth to your ears, that's the contract.
0: Thank
3: you. <laughs> it's solid
2: and, and, and guess
0: what? It's binding by number one, us having an accountable nature and also being a man first. Because mm-hmm. you have to be a man first no matter what you get into. So I, I did hear you you brought up about your wife and mm-hmm. about your family. Mm-hmm. So how integral was your wife, and this question is for the both of you, was your wife in supporting you while getting the businesses underway? Well, me,
2: um, okay, so when I was searching for a space, which was a job. That was a job. Because I had to wake up every day and go with the broker all around. here. So I'm thinking about, like, if I can find a space where I can just hop up and get there to like without having to drive 30 minutes. I was way in um, 249. You know, I live in the city. But I found this space, and it wasn't, you know what a space is. It's mm-hmm. not, It's the area is sketchy, but the building is luxe because of the way that I've put it together. But when I first walked through those doors, it was like oil on the ceiling. I don't even know how. It, w- it just looked like, so I was nervous because I saw, like, when I'm walking through, I already knew how I was going to design this place. But I was scared that she wasn't going to. And when she came in, her and my kid, they were like, my kid is the reason why I have this. You know, the swings hanging in the uh, white room. Right. They coming in designing too. And I, that was just peace for me. I was like, they, I was like, so before I'm opening up the door, I'm doing my disclaimers. I was like, so let me tell y'all, before we walk through this door, it's going to be like, but I'm going to make it look good. And they came in like, oh, I see. I, I was like, they see it. And they gave me peace. You know what I mean? So extremely supportive for what I'm doing. It still is.
3: That's, that's a
0: blessing. And how about you, Stroke?
3: Listen, so my, my, my uh, better half is my business partner. Who we handle? We call them uh, rooms, you know. And folk, young folks say lanes. We call mm-hmm. them rooms. It's not your room. Get out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't pay bills, with I would absolutely have the money. It's still gonna be late.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Oh my god.
3: <laughs> I understand. I I, I I understand that. But I am a visionary, so and, and I visualize things. Right. That's not her strong suit. So. I can dream about something and visualize it, and say, "Hey, this is whatever." What she does is, she she she'll 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 becomes uh, the devil's advocate. She'll ask all the questions that I don't. As a as a dreamer, I don't want to hear all those questions, but they I need to hear them because those questions that need to be answered. And so, uh, for for that, the the partnership is great because, and we don't. We might try to teetle with each other's rooms from now, you know, not again. We respect each other's nice. rooms. I'm the person who says, hey, listen, we've done this. We've done oil and gas. Uh, let's, let's, let's dive into real estate, da-da, whatever we're going to And she'll ask her questions. I justify, you know, with my answers. All right, we'll do
0: it.
1: Hmm. But I,
0: I'll tell you this. Wow. some of my best some of my best ideas and some of my best well-executed uh, events or anything has come from my wife and oh, wow. you and you look and you know my wife is my business partner actually my wife is like my rib my arms whatever, yeah. what, whatever you <laughs> want to say whatever you want to say because look she wrote it. <laughs> stop that man. you know my wife now. come on now. I'm. Mean, I wasn't the FHP. For nothing. <laughs> so you playing games? We ain't playing games. We both mad. We understand. Hey, but you know I got a whole face for so baby. <laughs> if you watch it, I look. You know, and you will never part. La <laughs> ti da da. Now we're gonna go to a quick break here. When we come back, we'll do another group session, and also we have a surprise for you. Thank you. Up, you see, you know why <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. You're back on Boss Up Network, Worldviews with Ken Mills. I also have three. Three Thank sorry? you. We also have Stro Church World here. So, guys, before we left, we were talking about how WISE support us in our endeavors. Now, this one thing I, I want to talk about as well. So, as you go through, have how has COVID or the world events, how has that affected you right now? With, you. with business,
2: it 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 obviously affected me because at first I just completely just closed up shop, and so what that was what that allowed me to do was blessing because now I'm 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 back in here by myself, but it's different now. Like I don't have that fear that I had before where I'm just like anxiety is, is people gonna call. Now I'm turning people down, but that's when I started diving into that production. So it gave me an opportunity to do, to like get nice with that. So now I can sell production whereas before, if people were asking me for production, I wouldn't feel confident to, to charge you for this. <laughs> I ain't I ain't nice like that yet. So moving from that point, when I start taking in guests, um, I didn't allow people to come. I still don't allow this. Like if mm-hmm. you've seen a studio, it's like when you come here, this not the trap. It's just who need to be here with you because you basically book in the building. So I don't need homeboys, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm at the point now to where I spray it down, I have my guy come sanitize, and so
3: far I've been, I'm, I'm I'm, back okay. Like, letting people come, clients and stuff like that.
0: Okay, okay. And to you, Stroke?
3: Uh, so, just speaking from the library perspective, uh, it forced me to step outside of what I was already doing and look at how I needed to adjust to where we are as society and economically, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I immediately came up with some things that, you know, like on my, on my, menu. It, well, there's nothing that we sell that's over $5, right? Because okay. we, we, they're, they're, they're not, they're not advertising it right now, but we're in a recession. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I do understand that people are still going to do what it is that they want to do and they choose to do. Even during a recession, there are certain things that people want to do. People are going to drink and they're going to eat. If they're eating for... For five dollars,
1: mm-hmm.
3: where they can get you know something that's tasty and an alcoholic drink, guess what? That's a deal to them. That is a deal. But my other business in an the oil and gas business, I immediately uh, went to online instruction and consulting, whatever. Which what I advertised to those clients was, you're saving money and for them travel and everything else that you've been paying me for years, which I appreciate but during these times we can still get things accomplished that you need to get accomplished uh, in order for you to continue to do business and this is how we can do it so it 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 just forced uh it forced me to immediately and you know i there are people that were in you know a few industries that that i'm that i'm in who were well the world's coming to an end that's not the way i approached Mm -hmm. I approach it as, hey, guess what? This is just another change. Not a just, yeah, fight or flight.
0: Thank you both, man. Thank y'all both. Now, I have a word I've been holding back the entire time. Now, this is one thing that I've learned in my journey in entrepreneurship. Number one, it's one way to do business versus actually doing business. I'll talk of two examples. Now, the first example there's a group that's on Facebook and I I, I really endorse it. I believe it's one of the best groups that brought us all together. Um, It's called the Black Owned Restaurant Group. I posted in that group and I said, hey are there any healthy options? Are there any things that that, or any ways that we could prepare the food to where it would be, uh, number one, healthy enough to where We can uh, stay away from high blood pressure, diabetes, all those things. I was told that I should cook at home. Mm. Wow. So this is one thing that propelled me into another business. My wife, she went, uh, I would say, two to three weeks ago and got her DBA and her LLC for her catering, which focuses on clean eating. So whenever we face a situation where the mind is not open, guess what, that's an opportunity for us to do that. Mm. I'll also call out an an additional individual on the Boss Up Houston Network. His name is Chef Boss, a.k.a. King Davis. King Davis gave us a nice pre-meal that was all clean. No butter, no oil. So I say all of that to say this. Whenever you step into the realm of business, you need to keep your minds open. Even though we are the same hue we all have different experiences. Now, most of us lean toward a hood experiences, but most people are from the suburbs. Most people are affluent. So when we do business, we know how to deal with each level of individual, also outside of our race as well. So when we compartmentalize ourselves into one area, we're actually cutting off our blessings. I'll go back to what Strode said earlier. He was searching for his passion. He thought his passion was in acting, comedy, but his true passion that he found was in entrepreneurship. I can vouch for one fact this man is a hell of an entrepreneur. That's why, if you hear everything that he is saying, this is one of the main people I go to advice for. And that's why I want to share this knowledge with you that he has. So, what you have to understand when you go on this journey, Number one, I know you're tired of nine to five. Because of nine to five, you're a cog in the system. They can replace you at any time. Hmm. Given the world events, you could leave here tomorrow and they already have someone at your spot, at your desk. They'll just move everything out. And they'll even slide off your name badge. But when you have a legacy, when you have an actual business, your name on a DBA, a LLC, or a corporation that means something. If you work it just the right way, you'll have generational wealth for your children. See, when we start to talk to three about his family support, the beautiful thing about it, his daughter saw the vision. Most times when we get into this, if you listen to the wrong people or you listen to someone who has a jaded mindset, they're going to try to persuade you not to go after it. It is your duty. It says it in the Bible that God gave dominion of the world to the man. So that means everything in it. So why be subservient? Why stay in a subservient state working for someone where you can go and get your own food for yourself? We are hunters and gatherers by nature. Anything that we do is not going to feel right if it's not of that ilk. I implore all of you right now think of your passions think of the things that you like to do hey I might like to design shirts figure out a way where you can design shirts get uh, get it manufactured properly also get the materials in wholesale work on your marketing plan get your get your uh, licensing and your DBA's and get to work you might be a person that can cook very well you may not have a space but there's ways around it. put your foot first Don't ever let anyone tell you what you're not able to do. And if those people do, get them out of your circle. Your circle should never be about who shot John, Will and Jada, and and our inadequate government leadership at this time. It should never revolve around that. It should always be about wealth, health, and progress. So study for yourselves. And also, if you need any assistance, you can find me on social media. Gentlemen, what's your social media?
2: Uh, At the Pentagon Houston Instagram. And uh, just Facebook is Cleon Solomon. But please, if you can, go follow my Instagram at the Pentagon Houston. And
3: for me, you can go to the library website. But I'm there five five days a week. So I'm there in person. Like you said, pull up. Yeah, pull up. (laughs)
0: Right. And where is that located if they need to pull up? I'm
3: at 2612 Scott Street in the beautiful heart of Third Ward, Texas. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, brother. I'd like to thank you for lending your time to give us this information.
3: Always, brother. Always love.
0: And also, we would like to call out our illustrious, beautiful network, Boss Up Houston Network, uh, CEOs Roger Moore, and Shamir Bacon uh, for assisting us with uh, getting this vision uh, into reality. Now everyone, next week we'll be back at the same time, same channel, and guess what? Next week our topic is wellness. So be ready. We got doctors, nurses, and everybody in between ready for you. Now everyone... Stay safe, also oh. a future. This <laughs> is <laughs> like, dedication, this is
2: anti-hesitation. It's a real thing the celebration. It's a dying black declaration. 59th and 5th Ave Granny House with Vanilla Wafers. is the remedy to separation. Tupac of my generation. Blue pill in the matrix, red rose in the great pavement.
1: Young black digging trapped in his cane. Know he a genius, he just can't claim it. If he no platform...